0: Okay, welcome back to On the Ground. As always, a podcast primarily, though not exclusively, for the members of Hill City Baptist Church. Al doesn't like me using alumni, so I'm not going to use that anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm here with my friends Malachi McAvney, the soul of the show, Alex Klusterman, and Matthew Matteo, whose real name, by the way, or whose first name is not Matteo. But actually, Matthew, that sounds simple, but it's, it's taken me some time to to kind of grapple with that. Is this like a lot of people just know you by your last name? Is that the case or yeah. your last name is Matthew?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. It's okay. just there's a lot of Matthews in my class, so it kind of stuck with right. me.
0: Right. It just assumes a level of familiarity. I'm not sure we've arrived there yet, but. That's okay. We'll get there. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Well, we're continuing our discussion on time management. Uh, Last week, we talked about how efficiency doesn't automatically equal fruitfulness, uh, which is really what Christians should be concerned about. Um, Our end in obedience to Christ isn't just output, it's not just how fast or how busy we are. Uh, Are we living moment by moment? before the face of God, uh, conscious of Him, living in the fear of Him. Uh, our posture as it concerns that determines the quality of our obedience. Um, it's not just about getting things done. Uh, so I found it, I found it helpful, I found it encouraging, and, and uh, we're gonna continue this week. We, we kind of had as our, our uh, springboard uh, an article written by Doug Wilson on his blog, uh, Seven Principles for Time Management. So we got through, I believe, three of them last time. So we're going to keep continuing on. We're on principle four. So here's the venerable Douglas Wilson, principle number four of time management. So I'll just read it, and then we can have some discussion afterwards. So he says, fill in the corners. I typed, this is classic Wilson here, I typed the outline for this, with my thumbs while sitting in a comfy chair at the mall, while my wife was being a merchant ship that brings goods from afar. <laughs> this was far more productive than staring vacantly at a neon Tito Macaroni sign. <laughs> I assume that's a chain in the States, would have been. If you have a commute, use the time to listen to books instead of inane DJ chatter. If the books get too serious, or if you do, go back to the DJs. Um, so, <laughs> this kind of seems to be a trend with productive people. Yeah. Um, I know Carson said s- something similar. Um, you know, filling in the seemingly overlookable moments in the day. Um, um, so, how do you guys find you are at, at filling in the corners uh, of your life? Are, are you intentional with little moments do you find it difficult to, to seize those do you work best on kind of large chunks of time um, how does that work for you well I
2: when I started out in ministry I had this idea that I was going to spend 20 to 30 hours a week in sermon prep mm. and I just I think I must have listened to some <laughs> preachers saying that you know any preacher worth his salt will spend a minimum of that much time in his study. And I lived under this unbearable burden for a while. I remember like setting aside full days to sit in a chair at a desk. And I realized very quickly uh, that that just didn't work. <coughs> and for a long time, I just felt guilty about that. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that almost nobody does it that way or at least a lot of people don't. I think it was Carson who talked about chunking. And um, basically... <laughs> chunking you, as a verb. You, you okay. do one thing well, and in his words, you don't fritter. Right. Um, and then you move on to something else. And so I, I found the whole, you know, sit down and take eight hours to pound out a paper or to write a sermon, it's just it just doesn't work for me. So my... I. I um, yeah, I don't do it that way. So I try to break up my time. I don't find that I fill my time well. I find I do what a lot of people do, and that is um, waste my in-between time. Mm. So because of technology, I mean, I've, re- I've removed like basically anything but email and text messaging off my phone, so I don't... And Candy Crush, right? Yeah, Candy yeah. Crush, yeah, there it is. But, so I don't fall into that in the same way. But the temptation, I think for me is to in the moments I could be using productively, I do just fritter them away. Mm-hmm. and that's one struggle I have and I'm trying to change my life for sure is how do I um, make the most of it? And I find you have to actually just plan that yeah. you have to plan you have to have a plan for mm-hmm. the moments that you have if you don't have a plan, you're just going to fall into what's easiest and natural kind of thing so. I do have Evernote on my phone, and I do find that um, some of my most productive times are those in-between moments, like he's talking about at the mall and sitting in my car waiting for Rebecca or, um, you know, I've got 15 or 20 minutes. Some of my sermons come together in that time. Some of the the writing I do and the teaching, it's it's concentrated... um, uh, Focused Fast Time I think people assume If you don't have four hours It can't be productive mm-hmm. I guess where I'm going with this In a very unproductive way Inefficient way <laughs> Is it's The a small moments way. can be enormously productive yeah. Don't write them off Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I remember um, I think it was Wilson actually saying It's good to have different books for different times Different kinds of books for different times Right uh, and I mean, reading is one way to redeem those moments. It's not the only way. It's it, You could shovel the driveway, you could, you know, whatever it is. But mm-hmm. um, you're likely not going to uh, pick up a copy of, of, you know, a really complicated book if you have seven minutes to spare. But if it's, you know, a useful, a lighter book, I mean, that's one way to, to, to redeem those moments. How about you, uh, Matthew, Mario, do you find your inclined to redeem small moments Uh,
1: i've i've been trying to over Mm. time um for me i i take those a lot of those moments as like a transitioning moment of like getting my head in the game of whatever it is like i Mm. i need those a lot more than i think the average person i at least i feel that way but that being said like i have i have one note on my phone which i guess is the same Mm -hmm. idea as evernote it's like if like, that idea hits you, it's like, I just pull that up and I write down my thoughts for a few minutes and, and trying to be productive there. And that's that's helpful. And, and, it, and it kind of implies that
0: moments can be redeemed, not necessarily if you're just doing something physical, but moments can be redeemed in the mind as well. Um, if you have 10 minutes oh, yeah. spending that time thinking. Uh, and, and often thoughts... Uh, don't come when you're sitting in the chair for four hours Uh, for some for some for some they do but it's as you kind of do life a lot of the times they come together
2: yeah i like what you said about even taking um that time rather than to check facebook or twitter you know the news or whatever it is take it take that time to plan so you mentioned a transition that's also really helpful i think one thing I struggle with is just organizing, just planning, plan your work and work your plan kind of thing. And if you took, if you finish something, and instead of mindlessly wandering into the next thing, just take five minutes, two minutes, look at your look at your calendar, look at your day planner, whatever it is, look at your list of projects, and just make a plan for the next hour, for the next two hours, kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's good. And that's, I that was.
1: I've learned the hard way from four years of school and stuff. It's like I try to be like those smart people in class where they can sit down and not stop for... Just
0: bang out an essay in yeah. like 12 minutes between classes. Yeah. It,
1: yeah, or even like the ones who sat down and just got like the first three weeks of their homework done in four hours. And I'm like, you didn't stop. How did you... And I'll try that and you get to a point where it becomes inefficient but you keep on going cuz you're like that's what you got to do that's right. what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. When really it's like no like I've learned that a lot of times especially if it's heavier content that I'm working with either a book or whatever it may be take a break.
0: Yeah, and it and it could be it might not be again doing something with output. It might be that uh you would do best and maybe your family would do best to your friends do best to just have a coffee with someone or Mm -hmm. play a game with your kids or have some kind of, or, or even a nap. Like, um, those can be intentional redemptive, Mm uh, activities to, to fill space with what what we're, what we're kind of saying, I think is that redeeming those moments isn't going to look the same for everyone. Yeah. But that posture towards starting your day, um, there's no such thing as kind of aimless, unintentional moments. Yeah, everything we do should be m- mindful. Everything can be used. I think
2: the 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 kind of the ditch or the danger in this though is feeling as though is treating us like machines again. So we it turns into efficiency. So okay, I've got five minutes. I'm going to read this paragraph. Yeah, and I'm going to immediately transition to writing this email. I'm going to immediately transition to preparing this sermon. I'm going to immediately transition to this meeting. And, um, like I know for me that that's just not how life works that we, we, you, you don't, and we're talking here about primarily mental, emotional things. It, It is very different when you're doing a physical task, you can transition from this task to this task, to this task. Um, I mean, knowing, I mean, I've done this and you could do that all day, but, I know for myself I try to focus on efficiency a lot and the kind of work that I do, efficiency kills it. If you're if All that's right. your your only aim yeah, is efficiency. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that last week's yeah, podcast. Yeah, we should so check that out, that out. But um we probably should have had moms on this podcast because <laughs> I find moms are like the best at redeeming yeah, no, that's every very true. moment of that's the day. Very true.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, well, I had another question there, but I'd like to move on to uh, number five, which which Wilson says, plod. Keep at it. Slow and steady wins the race. Truisms are true. Work adds up, uh, provided you are doing it. Um, so the question I have for you guys is: is, how do you plod at something? And I think we'd all agree that we're probably not as good as this as we should be. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. how do we how do we plod? How how can we be faithful over the long haul in something uh, and not get discouraged in the midst of it? Uh, a plodding implies kind of you're working towards something substantial. Uh, you know, and not always, but it could be a degree or a book or uh, Greek in Al's case. <laughs> Uh, how can we not let the sheer weight of, you know, this, this huge project, it seems insurmountable. How, but it's just going to take time. How, yeah. how do we get through that?
2: Well, this is, I'm actually so bad at this. I mean, I'm characteristically bad at this. And I do, I find it near impossible to start something that I don't know what the, I can't see the end. Yeah. So, um, I find it difficult to go to the gym knowing that I'm three weeks away from a particular result. I find it hard to start that process. I never, I find it hard to write a paper where I don't have the entire thing already in my mind. I never, ever start writing anything that I, I don't have everything already, mm. um, and so it's something that's a huge, like that. And I see that as a big problem in myself, relating probably as you'll get to about um, the value of plotting, the value. Of, and basically, when you plot, you are trusting. You know, a, a lot of different cultures have some equivalent of the phrase work and pray. Yeah. And it's that idea that we are finite creatures, that there's always more work to be done, that there's, um, our, our work always has its limits. And we are always trusting that God needs to provide. Mm. And, and like the farmer who sowed the seed and went to bed and woke up and it had grown. And you know, God's the one who gives the growth. And I feel like I'm someone who doesn't want to sow unless I know the growth. Right. And so it's a, it's a character flaw. Absolutely. I've struggled with it since I was a kid. And the closest thing I have to doing this, though, to actually plotting, is I try to start my sermons on Monday by reading the text mm. and start thinking about it, and often preparing an outline early on, like I, I, if I understand it and stuff, um, and then coming back to it. Basically, trusting that it is a process. Yeah. But I'm not good. I'm not good at process, mm. and plotting means you're comfortable with a process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would say. The two things that come to my mind is like when I used to write essays in the past mm. and a little bit more practically, just kind of going back to planning out your week, like whatever it is that I have to get done, just kind of saying, okay, according to my work schedule, according to this, I'm going to set this time aside at this part of my week to try and get something in this uh, in this kind of uh, topic done. I don't know if I'm going to even scratch the surface or finish it or complete it. Like a bit of, you know, I guess trust has to be involved there, mm-hmm. whether if it's uh, writing for a Bible study or a sermon or whatever it may be. But just putting the time there to try and chip away at something. Mm-hmm. I may not complete it, but as long as it's there to chip away at it, that's kind of my way to to get through something Right. right. slow and steady.
0: Yeah. Well, that's helpful. Um so just thinking I'm just thinking for Christians, I mean we're thinking of big projects. I mean, what bigger project is there than the process of sanctification, the process yeah. of, of Christlikeness? likeness um, and, and and it is kind of the the Christian life is is the archetype of, of plotting. It, it it defines it. It's it's steady faithfulness over years, depending on when you're saved. Um with no immediate result, necessarily. Some weeks it feels like, wow, I'm going backwards. I'm not even growing. Um, how do you guys? Um, you know, we we all say we're not the the best at plotting, but uh, and we're trying to grow in it. But as Christians, it, it's it's um, it's necessary that we that we apply ourselves. What are your thoughts on how those two things intersect, the plotting and, and and the Christian life?
2: Well, plotting, in my mind, brings up the idea of endurance. Mm-hmm. And the Christian life is an endurance race. And I think about how Paul talks about, um, he, he, I think it's to Timothy that he talks about it's the athlete who competes according to the rules who gets the prize. It's the hardworking farmer who gets the first the spoil, to share in the crop, the harvest. And um, the idea of the athletic imagery is someone who suffers and endures grueling, you know, physical punishment in order to, to gain the prize. And the farmer is someone who sows patiently and and repeatedly, uh, enduringly. And, um, the Christian life is not a sprint. It is not something where you, you, you can look down the track and see a hundred meters ahead of you. The end, it's Mm -hmm. not a 10 second race for the quickest and the strongest. It's actually a marathon and it is a race that we are entirely incapable of competing in apart from God's grace and apart from dependence and um, that's why I think Paul says, I'm uh, just looking here at his, in Romans, uh, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And um, endurance is absolutely crucial for the Christian life. So when I think plotting, I'm thinking... Patient endurance. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. I'm thinking trusting um, that God is able to do far more than we think or ask with our tiny labors. I think about giving up our little loaves and our little fish and sowing our little seeds and trusting that He will do something with it. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a it's a vulnerable position.
0: Yeah. And and in the race metaphor we have in the first few verses of, of Hebrews twelve, um, the importance of of looking unto Christ. Yeah, um, and that is as, as far as the Christian life. That is the means for endurance. That mm-hmm. is the means of of steadfast when when the project seems so insurmountable. The project of sanctification and, and likeness to Christ. It's it's living under the shadow of cross. It's it's looking to Christ and and knowing that He. Well, what a friend we have in Jesus. I, I'm just thinking of of uh, Pilgrim's Progress, which which actually which typifies, as um, Karen Swallow Prior says, typifies this virtue of endurance. Yeah, you have you have you know this Christian who's enduring swamps and giants and enemies and and yet every so often he gets a glimpse of the the heavenly city, or you know, uh, there's these little markers that help him along the way, but mm-hmm. sorry, matteo did you want to, I just, I wasn't sure if you were going to say something.
1: No. Don't I, feel like you have to. No. Okay.
0: Um, okay. So someone once said that uh, diligence or this idea of plotting is, is kind of the, the unsexiest of all virtues.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, uh, why? Why do you think that's the case? Why? Why is the idea of plotting, uh, uh, the idea of working towards something over the course of years, even? Why? Why is that so agonizing
2: for, for so Be- many people? Because plotting is sowing, not harvesting. I mean, we all yeah. love, you know. The Royal Winter Fair. We love seeing the fruit, seeing the the uh, pumpkins that are eight feet tall, and oh, yeah. and the horses that are eight you feet. Know, tall these magnificent creatures and and you know the festivities that come with it. But what? Who celebrates? You know the crack of dawn with a satchel around your shoulder, <laughs> throwing tiny little. Seeds and the dirt, like what, I, what
0: is there to? to I think they have it? the machines for that now. yeah, I don't but I'm know just, if it was a satchel. No, I know what you're <laughs> saying. From <Pakistan>. Yeah, really, <laughs> it's two satchels now, two, two yeah, satchels. Yeah,
2: but but plotting is the work, yeah, diligence is the work, diligence isn't the fruit, mm. and it takes faith and wisdom to realize that you only get fruit through diligence. And the fool in Proverbs is the one who wants the fruit apart from the work. Mm-hmm. They want the sex without the wife. They want the money without the labor. You know, they want the, the prestige without the competence. Like, they, they want to get it the quick way. But diligence is the pathway to those things. And, you know, it's like everything. We want We want the results without the process. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you you want the body and you don't want the three years of work and dieting. Yeah. Like, that's just, we have, what are like these little ab belts you put on and (laughs) these kinds of things? Yeah. That's just, no patience.
1: You can't see it, but I'm wearing one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, it's not working. (laughs) And I would say it's not always, um, the progress and the the work that you need to put in not only does it take a long time and it's a lot of hard work and you would rather not sometimes and your laziness and sinfulness and all that but you don't always see people don't always see the progress it's not usually not a very public thing it can be but usually it's not yes that's a good point yeah
0: yeah um yeah, there, there's, there's no, you know, going to someone, going to a friend, and saying, "Oh man, I put in like, you know, three hours of just a, a seemingly mundane activity." It's like, wasn't that amazing? It's like, well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. But that, that adds up. But it's not, it's not something that you know you talk about with <laughs> people you want to impress. <laughs> it's, it's the hidden underground work. It's, uh, yeah, that's a good point.
2: And it takes it it reveals what are you working for, right? If you're working not for man, but for God, then all of the hidden things are actually not hidden. Mm-hmm. But if you're working for man, then diligence is just a waste of time. Yes, because yeah. it's about the fruit, it's about the results, it's about the praise, and yeah. it's a, just an entirely different view of labor. And, and we're called not to labor for men but for the Lord, and that helps us to realize that every, you know, drop of blood, sweat, and tears is intrinsically valuable. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, because the resurrection, none of your labor is in vain. None of it. And so Christians can be diligent, trusting, not that we will produce in ourselves all this fruit, that we can... Um, Accomplish all these things, but that through us, through our persevering, our dying, our serving and sacrificing in faith, God will produce. A seed goes into the ground and it has to die in order to produce fruit. And that's the resurrection shows us. So, you know, we, we can value diligence not only because that's the way of a wise person understands the world works, it's through the pathway of diligence, but also because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing is in vain,
0: mm. and that's incredibly freeing, and 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 affirming, yeah, and empowering. And I don't empowering in the biggest sense of that word, but for all of the unseen labors that oh, yeah. are are uh, executed by uh, wives and, and laborers and and students and and well, everyone. Yeah, we all have those little corners that no one sees. Yeah. And and we can be tempted to give them up because well, we're in a culture where if you don't tweet something or f- Facebook something and get a bunch of likes, then yeah, it's no longer validated. It. Yeah. Um, but to, to at the end of the day s- say, well, yeah, maybe I there's nothing amazing or radiant to to show but but God but God saw and yes. he will one day bring all things to light. Yeah. Um, there's Yeah, there's two more, but I'm just gonna read. The seventh one is really good. It's uh, He says, (coughs) use and reuse. State and restate, learn and relearn. Develop what you know, cultivate what you have. Your garden plot is the same as it always was, so plow deeper. Envying the garden that others have cultivated plows nothing and brings forth a harvest of nothing. Strive for uh, this is good. Strive for deep conviction more than superficial originality, Mm. and deep originality will come. Mm. I think that's very profound. Mm -hmm. Um, striving for deep conviction, and that means going deep, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that means enduring in the process of going deep. That means early mornings alone with the word and Mm -hmm. in prayer. That means that means. Hard conversations and and difficult books and and many different things, but um, we don't gain anything by envying others. I like how he says that. It's uh, God has, has given us gifts and and a sphere of influence, and we we redeem that to the best of our ability. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's, I appreciate. Basically I, I take what he's saying is do the best with what you have. Yeah. And don't spend your life trying to gain what just isn't yours. Yeah. Whether that be intellectual capacities, you know, breadth of knowledge and expertise, um, whether that be relationships mm. and status and finances, just not that we don't labor and we don't work and yeah. we don't Um, but there's a difference between trying to get everything that everyone has and simply trying to be faithful with what you have and trust that God will increase that to his glory. And um, work the way, as it relates to this topic, you know, work to God's glory the way that works best for you. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. it Depending on what you do, I mean... Rebecca and I had this conversation because we work very differently. So Rebecca is able, my wife is able to, she is the epitome of redeeming the time. Like she can transition from teaching children to meal prepping to writing a blog on her phone to spending time in the word to she's s- able to compartmentalize and
0: just, I think women are also kind of gifted with that capacity as well, yeah. more than guys, but yeah, she's yeah. so good at it. But yeah. for
2: me, um, like, a, especially the nature of what I do with people and ideas, basically is it's not, it's not like a formula like, okay just be productive now yeah. like just just do this because thinking through how do you work through conflict and considering the state of people's souls and considering the evidence that you're presented with and thinking through it just it's a different kind of thing and early on in our marriage we, we would just we realized that we approached work very differently and we've come to appreciate the differences in each other and she you know she, finds it kind of annoying that I can pound out things really quickly. But then I seem so, but then it's like, yeah, but I also struggle so much at other times. Right. And it's like, I need to certainly grow, but I'm never going to be her and she's never going to be me. And she needs to serve the Lord and, and labor in faith with what the Lord's given her. And I need to do the same for me, and and I think it goes for everyone. Mm-hmm. We spend, how much of our lives do we spend wanting someone else's garden rather than yeah. cultivating our own and yeah. and plowing deeper and and I love what he said. Like don't in this information age, you don't need to learn and do and be more and more and more, do better, better, better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do what you do better. Become more competent in what you do. See a man who is. Scaled in his craft, he will stand before kings. Mm. And, you know, give yourself... Paul tells, tells Timothy, give yourself to these things. You know, persist in these things. Let people see your improvement. You know, don't, don't get distracted. Don't uh, get involved in civilian pursuits. You know what I mean? Focus on what the task is that you've been given. Do it to the best of your abilities and get better at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I was about to say the get better at it thing, like when the garden, oh, the garden that you have, you know, go deeper. It's like, okay, this is a, these are the things that I'm working in and working on, and it's like you can't always just do it one time. Like I can, I can remember from things I've learned in school, and it's like it learning it one time and just that's it. I know it. I'm good. Was never enough. Mm. It was like no, I got to put that into practice multiple times, like. Put this um even practically just put this aspect or this principle or this uh um this thing that I want to implement in my life. You know, I, I it's not gonna be like, okay, there, now I'm good at this, or now I'm I'm efficient in this way or whatever it is. Because mm. again, we're talking about fruitfulness. It's like you have to work at that constantly and get better at the things that are in your garden.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I uh one just as we close, this, this one quote keeps coming back to me. Uh, Flannery O'Connor. She's an author, but she, when she was young, she wrote in her prayer journal something to the effect of, "Lord, let me know my place and and do it with all my might, mm. even if it's if it's washing the second step of the school. Mm. Uh, let me wash it and let me overflow with love washing it. Mm. Um, there's something." to to that prayer yeah. to 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 ask god and god is is gracious and i i think it's a request he he's pleased to answer that we use the gifts he's given us in in the area he's he's given us to do it in yeah to do it with all our might yeah to to not be distracted at all the great yeah wonderful things that everyone else seems to be doing yeah and and to look forward to the day when god says well done good mm-hmm. and faithful servant Um, by the grace of God. Um, Well, guys, that was a a good conversation. I hope that was helpful to, to listeners. Feel free, again, to let us know any other topics, questions, concerns you have, and we'll talk at you next time.